What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richard Geek Podcast. Today, we have Stefan von Imhoff. And Stefan is, we're going to get into a lot of different, we, we've talked about real estate, we've talked about all these different things, but we're going to take alternative investing just a little bit further. Stefan is the co-founder and CEO of Alts.co, A-L-T-S.co. He has a strong background in alternative asset analysis and valuations. Uh, prior to co-founding Alts.co, he was head of product at Flippa, where he was uh, where he created the due diligence program. How are you doing, Stefan? Doing great. How are you? Good. Hey, you know, we're doing fine. And I can't wait. You know, I get excited and kind of geeked out uh, about alternative investments because uh, too many HGTV episodes are telling people, you know, oh, fix and flips and Airbnbs and and they just don't realize that there's a plethora of other crazy different things that people can invest in. Tell us a little bit about Alt-CO, where you got started. What was your idea about going way alternative? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, so I think, you know, it was about four years ago or so, three, three and a half years ago, I just started realizing what was happening with the retail investing space, uh, namely that alternatives were starting to get really popular and it seemed to be happening really quickly all of a sudden. What I didn't know um, at the time was that a lot of this was due to the uh, the Jobs Act, which was passed by uh, Obama. And that created something called Regulation A, which long story short, led to the easy securitization of all sorts of different assets and for non-accredited investors. And so this law, this regulation, um, basically created kind of like an explosion of, of new fractional-based startups. They kind of started in real estate, actually, right? With um, you know a lot of the, the fractional real estate companies. Um, but they, they were starting to really blossom into all sorts of interesting things like cars and collectibles and um, you know, uh, just all sorts of different areas. And uh, you know, I realized like, wow, this is pretty, this is pretty interesting. Around the same time, you know, we, uh, you know, I, I realized that, you know, there's something really special happening on the retail side where investors were really starting to shy away from financial planning, financial advisors, doing their own research, right? Doing their own homework. Um, that's a good thing and a bad thing, by the way, but it was definitely happening, right? And uh, one of the, you know, themes we saw happening was, you know, people starting to just invest in all sorts of, uh you know, new stuff that they would never have invested in before. So the, the 60, 40 portfolio is kind of starting to die and people are starting to really think about, you know, investing into all sorts of new stuff. And so 
I basically just started writing about it. Um, I started on Substack and just grew a pretty good following from Substack. And uh, about you know six or seven months in, there was uh, another gentleman um, who had his own Substack newsletter. He was also writing about alternative investing. We were kind of coming at it from different angles. So I was coming at it more from uh, like kind of like the website flipping space and digital assets and domains and um, kind of like, you know, side hustle kind of area. And uh, this other person, Wyatt, who's kind of coming at it from the angle of like collectibles and rare books. Uh, this guy had actually uh, created a, uh, an algorithm for pricing uh, and deciding uh, the value of rare books, which I thought was really cool. And so we started talking and, and we're like, look, we're kind of doing the same thing here. Why don't we just do it together? Let's, let's just join forces and, um, you know, make something happen together. And, you know, I live in Australia. I'm an American living in Australia. He's an American living in Spain. So we never met in person. Right. And it was kind of wild, you know, we never met, but we decided to start the company together. And so that's how uh, Alts was, uh, was born. So talk to us about, I've had some people on the podcast that they talk about artists, you know, I'm thinking about maybe artwork and, and some of the other things where they're selling NFTs to maybe fund and, and maybe a way to invest. But what you're looking at is break it down to us. Like when we're talking about within this fund and we'll get into it in a little bit where it might have X amount of this and X amount of that and a little bit of artwork, some books, even some sneakers, it's just, yeah. What exactly are you investing in? Is it, it like a, a, someone that wants to create a sneaker or is it just a collectible sneaker? What is it that you're actually? We're, we're looking for the rarest and highest value alternative, eclectic, esoteric, physical assets that we can find. So it's, 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 it's a, think of it as like an alternative investing hedge fund. That's like way off the beaten path. That's the way to think about us. Right. So, you know, alternative investing is nothing new. It's changed over time. It used to be, and still is at the institutional level about, you know, uh, what we call like old school alternatives. So private credit, hedge funds, private debt, um, debt financing, um, you know, uh, that kind of thing, maybe a little bit of real estate, some REITs and stuff like that, but really nothing, you know, what we, you know, what we invest in, we invest in, in, like I said, like off the beaten path, esoteric, eclectic stuff. I'll give you an example. So, I mean, some of the stuff in our fund is we've got artwork, British modern artwork. We've got a vinyl record that was owned by John Lennon. We've got uh, uh, toys, original Star, uh, Star Wars sealed toys. We've got comic books. We've got a Pele uh, rookie card. We've got uh, wine. We invest in tequila. We invest in whiskey by the barrel. So, I mean, th yeah, it's like we're just it's the kind of stuff that like other hedge funds wouldn't even touch with a 10 foot pole. And that's basically our whole bread and butter. Yeah. And that's that seems very exciting to me. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, can I own a piece of a Ferrari three, what, you know, whatever, you know, five percent of it or something that was just, it's just crazy. So when you get these things, are you actually physically buying them? And yes. where do they go? I mean, is, is you have a, I'm sure a nice safe so, somewhere or a vault. Yeah, or... <laughs> it's funny. This is the, the most embarrassing thing, but it's the truth. I've never physically seen or touched a single asset that we hold. And it's because they're in a, a set of warehouses and vaults basically all over the place. Right. So like the artwork has never left London. 
um the uh the whiskey is sitting uh sorry the the, the tequila's in the town of tequila in mexico in these big barrels right so it's like we've got all this stuff but it's all stored and insured and vaulted um you know uh there's a whole sub economy that's kind of grown uh, in the past you know half decade or so to, to assist with stuff like that but yeah i mean that's that's basically that's basically it yeah uh, you know i had someone on the the podcast that deals with really rare minerals and he's saying, yeah, you know, there's a vault that contains these. He's never seen them. He doesn't want to see them, but they're in London somewhere. You know, I wouldn't want to see them. <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> I could touch the vinyl record. That's for sure. But, but uh, yeah, it's funny with you say minerals though, because that's interesting. Like rare earths are definitely, yeah. you know, I think an alternative asset. We've even looked at purchasing like an asteroid, like a, a very small piece of an asteroid um and, and like we explore this stuff and it's just fascinating what we learn you know i mean asteroids it's actually not a finite supply it's pretty close but yeah every year there's basically like small meteor showers and they'll you know the, there's chasers there's asteroid chasers that'll go to these middle of the sahara desert and find the you know pieces of rock that fell and it's just unbelievable and then they sell them on the in the the markets of Morocco. And so like, we haven't gone there yet, but like the sky's the limit, like nothing's off limit. Like if it's alternative, like we're interested in it um, at least a little bit. How do you analyze something? There's just, there's so many things that are one-offs and, and rare things. What, is there something that you look at in particular, like, you know, that the return is going to be this, or is you just, it's kind of like a cool factor. It's like, wow, you know, this is a one-off and I want to, own something how do you make a determination it's very much not just based on cool factor and gut and all that so this is actually like what we do and why we exist is that we we kind of got our start analyzing these esoteric asset classes looking at um data in a way that no one had ever looked at before because half of the stuff is so new and was never really considered investable right in the past mm -hmm. well that's all changed now the answer is in comps that's it. Mm -hmm. It's just in comps. It's like in real estate, right? You look at the comps. Now, the difference with real estate is you type in a zip code and a square footage and you can get within 10, 15% of the price of a house, like without question. Like we have so much data on this. Plus it goes back a hundred plus years. There's, you know, all sorts of uh, pieces of data you can feed into the algorithm, into the soup to come up with a pretty good price range for a piece of real estate. Asteroids aren't like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always something out there. There's always something you can look at. So you look at the weight, you look at the uh, quality, you look at the, um, um, you get experts involved and get their opinion on how it compares to recent auctions. But it's it, that's it. It's just all about the comps. There's always something you can compare it to. Mm -hmm. With some asset classes, you've got tons of data. With others, it's kind of thin, but you can always triangulate that that price. Yeah, you know, because I'm looking down your list and everyone, it's, if you want to look at it, it's altalts.co and there's wine, whiskey, which I like, watches, which I like, and, you know, things that harken back to when I was a kid, you know, the video games, the sports trading cards, sports memorabilia. Boy, I wish I, wish I had some of those tops cards back you know that i had when i was a kid you and me both man i, I don't <laughs> pretend to have this huge collection like we're we're we're, we're searching for the best of, uh cards in the market like everyone else man. <laughs> yeah so uh let me ask you this what is some of the cool give me an example some of the stuff is like going you know you always kind of pull out there it's like yeah we got this you know is there any yeah um this there's, there's so much stuff i i, I used to say like 
I'm, I'm usually one of the more interesting people in the room <laughs> at the party. Yeah. Um, I'd say my favorite is the vinyl record. So I'm a huge vinyl collector. Um, I've got about 300, 350 records. Um, I, it's a, that, by the way, that is a whole fantastic asset class in its own right. But like many alternative markets, what really matters is the high end, right? You know, like the low end just doesn't matter at all. You, you need to be getting the best of the best. And so when the, in the case of vinyl records, the best of the best is uh, the Beatles is within the top two or three, right? Like that's considered like, you know, old Beatles records in pristine condition are fantastic. Um, the one that we have, we, we got it auctioned for about $50,000. So it's, it's numbered 00000002. Um, and the, the legend has it that um, the first four copies of the White Album of this record were given to all of the band members. All of the other three are accounted for. Uh, this is the only one that um, that that is not currently owned by a Beatle, and um, it was owned by John Lennon, and so we were able to pick this up at auction. And um, man, this is a this is like a grail when it comes to to records. So um, there's uh, there's all sorts of interesting stuff, but that's that's my favorite one. Yeah, it's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about how people get get involved. You uh, you're introducing the Alts One Fund. Is that yeah, still? So, yeah. So our Alts One Fund is exactly the where you know uh, the it's a community driven fund. So uh, it really comes down to our community. We've got a community of about ninety five thousand people. We're growing every week, and these are the folks who are investing in this fund. They have to be a accredited investor. Um, you do not need to be located in the U.S., but you do need to be accredited in your local jurisdiction. Uh, and the minimum is twenty thousand um, dollars. The average uh, investment is about twenty seven thousand dollars. Uh, but this puts you into the fund and this is um, we're coming up on year one, um, just right about around now. Um, it's a 10 year fund. So we are um, not looking for quick flips. This is not the kind of thing where, you know, we're going to have immediate quick, you know, mega returns or anything like that. This is we're looking for criminally undervalued alternative assets for the in the long run. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the idea. So it would be hard, man, you know, after 10 years, oh, I got to give up that vinyl record, you know, I mean, at some point, you know. Uh, so what do you think the plan is at the end of this 10 year? Do you, is it, number one, is it an open or a close in? At, at some point, are you just going to stop it? And then the plan is to st- start selling some things off or reinvesting? Or What's your plan? We have no immediate plans to um, it's open ended and we have no immediate plans to um, to close it. Uh, but thinking ahead about a year before we plan on closing the fund is when we'll start selling, depending on market conditions, we'll, we'll start selling the assets within the fund um, at that point, And probably a little bit before that we'll close, close the fund for now. It's just the, um, the nav basically just changes every quarter. So you can buy in at any quarter and it, the price fluctuates based on the total asset value. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how we're doing it. What are you seeing in the next three to five years? What are some of the things that are hot? You know, cause some of the things that I would have thought five or 10 years ago, like this is stupid and all of a sudden it's worth crazy amounts of money. What are some of the trends are you seeing that might be a good alternative? I think, um, there's right now we're in a, a shift towards more like yield producing um, assets, right? So, um, you know, uh, private credit, private debt, 
um, kind of the, this is where the old alts kind of shine as opposed to like the the new non cash flowing um, assets. But um, I think that that's that's right now. In the future, I mean, it's anybody's guess. I, I, I think if you're if you're buying into this fund, you're basically buying into the idea that you think ultra valuable museum grade collectibles are going to continue to increase in value. I absolutely believe that. We all believe that at the company. Um, not everyone may believe that, uh, but I think what you're seeing out there is that th there's new asset classes in everything right now. And, and, and stuff that you wouldn't even consider um, in a museum is now museum quality. And in fact, going into museums, I'll give you an example. The original iPod, the very first model of iPod, right? Um, so that was, that was that release in 07, 08, I believe. Um, if you bought that iPod, kept it in its box, sealed in its shrink wrap, in its box and just stored it away safely. Um, that cost, I think, you know, when it was released about what, $400, $500, that area, that is now a $30,000 alternative asset. That's what these are selling for at auctions right now. And there's not a lot of them out there, right? There's a handful. Like we don't really know what the population is on these, but that's much better than Apple stock has done in that same time frame. If you bought $400 worth of Apple stock in 08, you'd be doing great, but you wouldn't have $30,000. <laughs> so I'm not saying that'll continue forever. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we're going to get returns that are that good if we buy pristine assets today. Yeah. What I am saying is that the, the world has definitely come to an understanding that there's a real value in nostalgia and in keeping pristine copies of cultural relics uh, alive. And, and that is something we absolutely believe in. Um, we've seen this with artwork. I mean, artwork's been an investment for decades. Wine has been an investment for, for decades. Wine, artwork are incidentally probably the two best alternatives you can have. Yeah. But there's more. There's others out there. And that's what we're going and seeking. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's like, my gosh, if I just, why did I play with that toy? You know? I know. <laughs> but, you know, I know. But, and what's you know. funny about the iPod is it wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, this is yeah. 08. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't feel that long ago. I guess it actually kind of is starting to be quite a while ago. But, you know, 15 years, that's not that long for that kind of investment. That's pretty insane. That's pretty crazy. And so, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's always speculation, like, you know, what's going to be the next thing? It just takes time. It's always obvious in retrospect, but we know value when we mm -hmm. see it. We only look for the best and we have the confidence that uh, it, the market will will value it um, the way we do. And, you know, I can see how, and, and I don't know if you see like natural resources being kind of overworked right now, but you're looking at all these green pushes and alternative fuels and all these minerals that you have to have in order to have these, just the new batteries and all these different types yeah. of things. Uh, and the rare minerals, you can't just go dig a hole. And and we know that China has, has most of that stuff. Really has a right lot now. too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. the rare earths, the cobalt, lithium, um, yeah. and a lot of that's, I mean, we're getting way into, you know, esoteric world, but yeah, a lot of that stuff that the supply is controlled, like in Bolivia by the government. And so there's a lot, lot to be said. I mean, we just did a big thing on um, diamonds. Um, mm -hmm. What's happening with diamonds now is they're getting standardized in a way that they never were able to get standardized before. So a bar of gold has been like a standard 
for, for decades, but that's we don't have that with Diamond. So there's a, there's a company now called Diamond Standard, which is doing exactly that. And they're creating bars of diamonds, bars of um, diamonds, just like gold. Um, and this is creating a standardization in the market that's going to turn diamonds into yet another alternative investment that's liquid, right? That's the key is liquidity. And you need standardization for that. So there's just so many companies working on so many different areas and doing interesting things in the space. You know, some are going to succeed phenomenally. Others will fall by the wayside. But the the tide keeps going up for all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And what are some of the more some of the things that people wouldn't even think about, you know, that I had someone on the podcast that, that you can invest in Broadway musicals yeah, as an alternative. Some people you can um, had, you know, he wanted the very first Air Jordan something or other. And, and you know, it's just some of these um, court cases, you know, in court. Um, that's alternative. It's like, oh, what litig- do you mean? Litigation financing, litig- litigation yeah. financing is yeah, an so, alternative. So like lit- litigation finance and Broadway financing, you know, that, that almost falls in the realm of like, it's almost like a type of venture capital, right? Where you're making a lot of bets and most of them don't pay off. And then the, the, the few that do pay for all the other ones, right? And, and then some. It's kind of like venture in that way. Th- those, those are fascinating. Um, I mean, look, this is what we do. There's so much cool stuff out there. I'd say some of the most interesting stuff, uh, there's a few that come to mind. Um, you know, we looked at um, uh, you know, investing in fine cigars for a while. Mm. Didn't really like what we found, um, but it was definitely interesting to to explore. Um, we've looked at uh, what one thing we have done is we've invested in vintage concert posters. So this is literally just posters from like the 60s and 70s before digital art was was big you'd have these nice elaborate posters for like the grateful dead and 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 what have you and it's not a huge massive market of collectors but the people that collect them are willing to pay for the the grails and so we have like in our fund we've got the second most expensive concert poster ever sold at auction ever it's a grateful dead one from the 60s Uh, it's a very famous one um, that was a fun one. I'd say the most interesting thing that we've explored, now we haven't invested in this in the fund, but the most interesting thing we've explored over the past year is, you ready for this? Mm. It's a uh, rare, uh, what we call heritage license plates. Um, it just so happens that here in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia, where I live, this is the epicenter of this market. Um, the market is all about buying low digit license plates. So just like a license plate that just says like, it just has number like 106 on it or something like that, or number 15 or lucky number seven. These go for millions if they're in the single digits, millions of dollars. In fact, they never even come up for sale anymore because no one's selling them. You're maybe lucky to get not a two digit, not a three digit. You're maybe lucky to get like a four digit uh, plate now that's how crazy the market's gotten and that market is now expanding it just so happens to be the epicenter here but um dubai uh there was a, a recent sale there was a uh, the number seven united arab emirates license plate sold for 20 i think 21 million dollars right so i mean this is this is fascinating stuff no one knows this market even exists but there's a a, a growing group of hardcore fanatics that are into this stuff and we, we haven't even made an investment in it in the fund. I just think it's a fascinating market that I didn't even know existed up until three or four months ago. Um, 
so yeah, there's all sorts of esoteric stuff out there. It really is amazing. What are some of the things, and that that amazes me because I didn't know you could, I, I thought you had to like turn them in. I thought, you know, like here in the States, I can't sell my license plate. I mean, it it's with, goes with my car. And then if I sell my car, the license plates are no longer valid. <laughs> you know, These are worth more than the car and you can sell. Yeah. I mean, m- most of the time, I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but there's entire Facebook groups that are just dedicated to what they call plate spotting, which is, you know, people like will see like the number 65 on the freeway or something. And they take a picture and they upload it to the group and everyone's like, oh, wow, people know who owns some of the low digit ones. Like it's 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 it boggles the mind. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. Unbelievable. What are some of the things that people need to kind of be wary about if they want to get involved in this space? You know, it's just not everything old is valuable, right? <laughs> um, but what yeah, are some I, of the things that you, you need to kind of warn people that think that say, this is interesting? Every market's different. Um, but generally speaking, you kind of want to keep emotion out of investing to some degree, right? Um you know, there's kind of a few schools of thought on this. Some people are like, actually, no, the emotion is what counts and you should be buying assets because you love them first and foremost, not because they're good investments. And, and I actually just, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. That's, I, there's plenty of cool stuff, quirky stuff that I own that isn't actually that valuable to the market, but it's valuable to me. It's got sentimental value or I just like it, right? I've got vinyl records that I bought for 10 bucks that I play, you know, once, twice a week. No one else wants them, but I'd freaking love them. Then I've got records that, you know, like I know are worth five, six hundred dollars, you know, and it's like so I guess um, you, you generally if you're in, if you're investing for yourself, then don't worry so much about how the market values things. Right. But if you are investing for the for yourself and for returns, make sure that you're you know, you're doing your homework. And that's why we exist. We, we try to take the emotion out of a lot of this stuff and look at things objectively and just make a case for why we think X, Y, and Z. I mean, I think there's one thing to know about us is we don't have an agenda as we're exploring and writing about this stuff. Like we don't, not everything's a buy, not everything's a a sell. It's just, we go into each opportunity. We kind of just objectively look at the pros, the cons Mm -hmm. and take people along for the ride. And I think people appreciate that, you know, and and they might not always agree with our assessment and that's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, we're basically just out there just trying to educate and for, for ourselves mostly, and then just kind of take everyone else along for the ride. Yeah. And there you go, everybody. And, you know, I always harp that don't do it yourself. Let the experts do it for you. So if you've wanted to own a piece, a very small piece of something extremely cool, you probably don't have the money yourself to go out and buy it. So that's why alts.co, this is why these types of funds, the alts one fund exists. So it's, it's just cool. It's like I own a piece of vinyl record that was once owned by Lennon, you know, a very small piece, but you actually own it and you can brag about that. And I would, I would, I would tell everybody I met this, like, guess what I own or a piece of that I own. And it is the cool factor. And this is why we have people like Stefan on is you can invest and diversify your portfolios into something extremely cool and uh, hopefully very lucrative. And when you put it with, experts like Stefan, then your chances of success are, are you know, tenfold, a hundredfold. Um, Stefan, where can everyone find you? 
Find us at alts.co, just uh, alts.co. Come to the site, sign up for the newsletter. If you like what we're putting out there, we're happy to have you and reach out to me anytime. And uh, LinkedIn? Uh, Yep, we're on LinkedIn and just email me. I read every email we get. We're an email-based community, so I read everything you get. Stefan at alts.co. There you go. And everybody, again, it's alts.co. Stefan, I appreciate you coming on Richard Geek. It's been a blast. Happy uh, great evening. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.